morning, FBC. My name is Alex Fisher, and I am so grateful you have chosen to worship with us today. Whether you are online or here in person, we are so thankful that you have joined us. If this is your first time worshiping with us, please let us know by filling out our guest information card. These can be found on the front page of our website or by going to the welcome desk in the lobby outside the sanctuary. If you are here in person, there is also a free gift at the welcome desk that includes more information about our church. Before we go any further in the service, I'm going to share some announcements about what is going on in the life of our church. My first announcement is about BBS, which actually starts tomorrow and goes until Friday. We are praying there will be a bunch of kids gathering at our church for just a fun-filled week of learning about Jesus. Make sure and sign up your kids and invite other families too. Also, if you can, we would love for you to come and volunteer. There is still time to sign up to do so. Go to fbccookfield.org slash children to register your kids or sign up to help. To kick off VBS this year, we will be having an ice cream social tonight, June 14th at 6 p.m. During this time, we'll enjoy some lazy cow ice cream, put up some last-minute decorations, and spend time praying over VBS and all that the Lord will do that week. VBS is an integral part to the outreach of our church. We all have a part to play in this, whether you're a volunteer or simply someone praying uh, each day for the kids here in the gospel. We can all serve in some way. My second announcement is about parent-child dedication, which will be held on Father's Day. This is an opportunity for you as a parent to commit yourself to the discipleship of your child and for us as a church to partner with you in their discipleship. If you are interested in being a part of parent-child dedication, contact Philip Reinke at preinke at fbccookville.org. My third announcement is about our summer camp. This year, our church has decided to put on our own youth summer camp for 5th through 12th grade. This is going to be an awesome week of building deep friendships, having a ton of fun, and growing closer to God. The camp will be held at Camp Linden in West Tennessee from July 13th to the 17th. The cost is $275, and it is not too late to sign up. Make sure and contact Zach Langley if you would like to sign your student up. Once again, I'm so thankful you have chosen to come worship with us today. Our vision here at FBC is that every person would desire God, disciple others, and devote themselves to serve. This service is just a part in that vision. We pray that this service will bless you and encourage you as you walk with the Lord. Thanks. Good morning. I'm so glad that you guys could be here today. Would you guys stand and worship and let's sing about the gospel charge that we've been given.
We serve a great God, don't we? As we sing this next song, turn your minds to God's glory and his beauty as we sing, To God Be the Glory.
God the glory for all the things he's done and the things he has yet to do. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you so much uh, that we can join together, Lord, our hearts and our voices uh, and, Lord, our thoughts to worship you for the great things that you have done. Lord, you have totally amazed us with the, with your creation, uh, with the very existence of us, Lord, as you've uh, allowed us to... Uh, to grow on this earth, Lord, to become the people we've become, Lord, with a plan for each and every one of us. Uh, Lord, I know that some of us have strayed from those plans from time to time, but God, you're always there uh, to get us back on the straight and narrow if we just submit to you. So God, this morning, as we continue in worship, Lord, may we realize that the best plan for our lives is one that is built upon your foundation. So God, as we continue with this next song, uh, Lord, may we just focus on your goodness uh, and your greatness, Lord, and know that you are worthy. You're truly worthy of every song, of every word, every song sung, every word spoken that brings glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Worthy of every song. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Jesus, the name There is no one like you, there is none. 
is truly worthy to build our lives around. I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. I will put my trust in you alone. And I will not be shaken. world to, to wonder, God, but we are grounded in you. And Lord, you lead us. You lead us in paths of righteousness when we follow you. So Lord, this morning as, as Scott comes to preach, as he breaks open uh, the bread of life, Lord, your word, God, may it speak deeply to our hearts. Lord, may it plant deep roots in the fertile soil of our hearts, Lord, because we're receptive to your word. So Lord, speak to our hearts. Let us hear from you, Lord, and maybe be changed today in knowing you in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, church. What a song. I, I, w- I wish you would have known. Uh, I wish I, I should have jumped up here, probably Greg, and just read the text before we sang that song, because that song just preached the sermon this morning. What a message in that song about how we can, we can trust God to guide us and, and give our lives completely and wholly to Him. Uh, he is a firm foundation, amen? Hey, turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 8. 1 Kings chapter 8, Solomon is in a place where he is dedicating the temple, and he, he say, he's making a prayer before God. And it's, it's kind of a lengthy prayer, and there's a lot that goes on in this prayer. And I was like, this morning when I looked at my notes, uh, I was like, I don't know how this is going to take that long to cover. I might be short this morning. Well, don't let me disappoint you. The first service went long. <laughs> I was like, there's a lot more in here. About three-fourths of the way through the service this morning in the first service, I was like, there's way too much here to cover. 
But we had fun anyhow trying to cover it. We will again, trying to go through and understand the prayer that Solomon makes to the Lord. God longs for a relationship with us. He, he longs to be in an intimate, passionate relationship with you. He's pursuing you. And, and we have decisions to make of how we'll live our lives. What, where will be our foundation? Where will, we, where will we focus our life? How will we live? Will we walk after God? Will we, will we seek Him with all of our life? Will we truly go after God? Or will we, we live in this world? We, we understand wise, wise words come from Solomon. We, we see that recorded for us in God's Word. Solomon was a wise man, the wisest ever known to this time. Wise man. Words of wisdom are presented by Solomon. But we looked last week, just kind of to bridge something here, there's two forms of wisdom There is a godly wisdom that is offered to everyone who will ask for it. And James tells us that. Scripture tells us that throughout. If we seek God, we'll find him. His wisdom, he he wants to give us his wisdom. He wants to lavish his wisdom on us. But there is another form of wisdom. James talks about the worldly wisdom. There is a wisdom of this world. And, And I'm telling you, there are... It's so easy to get confused between the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God, unless we know the Word. When we know the Word of God, we know the wisdom of God. And God desires to guide us in His wisdom. And we make a decision whether we want to walk hard after God and live under His wisdom and His direction, surrendered life to Him, or whether we live for this world. We make that decision. I'm telling you, there's a firm foundation. And we choose to go after God. God wants to bless us. He wants to, our lives to flourish. And, and I want to read through this prayer, part, portions of this prayer this morning. We will not cover it all. I want to tie together a few other texts, and, and I want to show you about God's great love and reach for you in your life. So, so if you will, stand with me. Let's read 1 Kings chapter 8. And I want to begin in verse 22. To I'm, I'm just going to read two verses to start with, and because I think this is important for us to grasp how, how Solomon starts this prayer before the Lord, and, and then we'll dive into the prayer a little deeper as we go. So First uh, Kings chapter 8, verse 22, the Word of God says, Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands towards him. He said, O Lord, the God of Israel... There is no God like you in heaven above or on earth beneath, keeping covenant and showing loving kindness to your servants who walk before you with all their heart. Father, we thank you for the the privilege to gather this morning, Lord, and and to look into your word. And Lord, to study this text, God, just to be impressed by your word this morning. I pray, God, that you will bring the transformation in our lives Lord, to line us up with your will. Let us be surrendered people right now with a mindset of, okay, okay, I'm here, and I really want to hear what God has for me. So, God, we want to hear that. We want to hear you speak into our hearts about our lives. Individually, there are a lot of differences, but we want to position ourselves this morning. Holy Spirit, you have all authority. So we stand before you. 
And we ask you, God, to move in our lives. You've appointed this time for us to gather, study your word, and we're so grateful for the privilege of worship. We ask God now, I ask, Father, that you would anoint me with power that comes only from you to preach your word, that it brings about the change, the transformation, the redirecting power. Move. Lord, let us respond to that move rightly as King of eternity. In Christ's name we God's people. So there's a lot of good stuff we read this week in the text as we are reading the Bible through chronologically as a church. Um, one, there's been a lot that has separated us this year. This, this year has been a great year of separation. But the gathering point's been around the Word. And I'm grateful that we can read the Word together and we can study God's Word together and come together on Sunday morning and, and preach through the Word and, and, and be drawn back together with some, some unity there. And we see that that's what Solomon has brought the people together. There's a temple that's been built. Solomon's built this amazing place. And he, he's brought the people before God. And, and just, if, just in these first few verses, you... You just have to mentally grasp this picture, I believe, for everything to fit together. When you see that, then Solomon stood. So he stood up before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the assembly of Israel, and he spread out his hands towards heaven. Now, there was a point in time, yes, at the beginning, where Solomon was standing. If we continue to read through the prayer and read the next chapter, we find that Solomon found himself on his knees. There there was a point where he bowed in reverence and and all of who God is. And, and we see, though, he is standing before the altar with all the people of Israel gathered together, and he said, O Lord, the God of Israel. We, we just have to pause there and recognize there were many gods in this land, okay? And Solomon says, let me be crystal clear in whom I'm praying. I'm praying to the God of Israel, Yahweh, I'm praying to the creator God, the Lord of this universe, the Lord of eternity. I am praying to him because it didn't want to be confused in the society that there were multiple gods. And and here today, there are multiple gods in this world today. I mean, we have the God of money, the God of work, the God of all kinds of gods. We, We have so many things that we can focus our attention on. We can, our lives can be driven driven in certain directions. And we can put all of our attention, all of our efforts, all of our love, all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our mind on certain things that are not God. Solomon stands and his wisdom stands before the altar of God in the presence of the people. He lifts his hands to God and he says, Lord, the God of Israel, Continue, says, there is no God like you in heaven above or on earth beneath. What, what a statement. What a statement of, of recognition that, that I hope you can say today. I hope you can recognize in your life. I hope we all in this room, all in this world will come to a place sooner rather than later of recognizing that there's no God like our God. The scripture says, every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess. Jesus Christ is Lord. At some point in time, in, in the future stance, we will all, we will all recognize his Lordship. When we're, when we're in his presence in heaven, 
We're going to recognize his lordship. It would be far greater for you to recognize his lordship now and submit surrendering your life to his lordship and line up with his lordship and experience the relationship that he wants to give us. So here we see that Solomon says, there's no God like you in heaven, above, or earth, beneath, keeping covenant and showing love and kindness to your servant. God is a covenant-keeping God. There are 3,000-plus promises in God's Bible. When God says it, he means it, and he can deliver on it, and he has. He's proven his ability that when he makes a promise, he is good for it. He says, "All all that call upon my name shall be saved, and God is capable of saving you. When you give your life to Jesus, when you surrender your life to him, and you look to him as Lord and master of your life, you are saved, saved, saved. Just as saved as you can be saved. That doesn't mean we're sinless. hope we sin less. But it doesn't mean that we're perfect. We're walking towards perfection. And every one of us should desire to have that perfection in our life. Looking to the author and perfecter of our faith, Christ Jesus. Modeling our life after his life. And that's where our mental image needs to be. We need to be focused on God. And, and we see that. He says here, he says, you, you're a covenant-keeping God. You... You show loving kindness to your servants. There's no love like the love of God. We can look in all this world. We can look all around. Never find a love like God's love. It is a pure love. The purest love known to mankind. That love, and Solomon in his wisdom says, there's, there's no God like you in heaven or on earth beneath, there's no God, keeps covenants. We can, we can depend on you. I can set my life on you, God, because you are truth. You're continual. You never, you don't flip this away and that way. You don't shift with every wind of doctrine. You stay the course. And you are a lover of people unlike anybody else ever. I mean, we know that God loves us. He loved us so much that he sent his own, God, his own son to die on the cross. God came and died on the cross for our sins. That's great love. There's no greater love than that. You can't experience a greater love than that. So we see that he is a covenant-keeping God and, and amazing love and kindness. To your servants, what a position. What a position that we must understand that we are his servants. He is master who walk before you all their hearts. So that's the framing of this prayer. That's that's how he introduces himself in this prayer and, and introduces the people in this prayer that we are servants that are desiring to walk after you with all of our heart. We recognize your, the amazing God that you are. And Solomon goes on in this conversation to, to, to announce, yes, you are a covenant-keeping God. You made a covenant with my dad, David, that, that it, the throne would always be held by one of his descendants, leading up to Jesus, might I add, that you would be, we would be on the throne as long as we walked after you. And, and he, he goes on to say that, I built this house, and I mean, I'm sure Solomon would look at you and say, boy, this thing's pretty amazing. 190 tons of gold, just to capture one portion of it, and all the bronze and silver and iron and wood and ah, the intricacies of which he built into this temple. What an amazing place. But it's not just something for your physical eyes. It was a place where they could come together and worship God. 
We've come together to a place today. We have come together. And they came together to this place. But, but Solomon says, you know what? Heaven cannot contain God. The, the highest of heavens cannot contain God. You're, you're bigger than anything we could ever make, so we can't make anything that would hold you. But this is a reference point. This is a place where we come together to worship you, where we seek you, where we look to you. And, and we, we see that the willingness of God just to dwell with us is an, is an act of grace from God. But I want to direct your attention. So all that's captured in the first 22 through verse 26. And then I want to direct our attention to verse 28, where we get into kind of how the focus of the prayer comes about. Verse 28 says, Yet have regard to the prayer of your servant and to his supplication, O Lord my God, and listen to the cry and to the prayer which your servant prays before you today, that your eyes may be open towards this house night and day. Towards this place which you have said, my name shall be there. To listen to the prayer which your servant shall pray towards this place. Listen to the supplication of your servant and to and of your people Israel. When they pray towards this place, here in heaven, your dwelling place, hear and forgive. So kind of the, the, the where he, before he gets into some of the items of concern, Solomon says, Lord eyes on us will you have your eyes on this place will will you put your ears towards us four times he says will you hear will you hear will you hear solomon's concerned that our prayers are not empty and just going up towards the ceiling they're going to heaven i mean we've got a god in heaven who longs to be in a relationship with us and solomon said we really want your eyes upon us We really want your ears upon us. Let me ask you something. This week, thinking back, last seven days since we were here last together, have you been engaged in some activities that maybe if God's eyes were sitting there looking at, it would would, um, kind of embarrass you? What have you you participated in that you're like, man, I really hope God ain't watching? Or what have you said that you're like, man, really hope God's not listening. And let me ask you the question, do you really want to be in a place as a where you don't want the eyes of God on or you don't want the ears of God to do that? Because in our lives, it should be as we, me and you as Christians on a journey with Jesus, we should long the presence of God in us. We should long to live our lives in such a way that God can look into everything we're looking into, see everything about our life, hear everything that's said, every communication that's made, every thought even that's had, because he does. He knows the thoughts. He knows the intents of man. He knows every aspect of our life. And, and I think it's that presence, that recognition of presence that you and I need to come around to to say, God's, a, God's here. He said he would never leave me. He would never forsake me. And so that means he's wherever I am, he's there. The temple, let's just think through this. The temple then was there. The temple now is here. We are the living, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me, I'll abide in you. I will abide in you means he will live it. He will remain in us. He will not leave us. He's going to be in us. The Holy Spirit was sent to us. Jesus said, I'm sending you 
the Holy Spirit of God. You won't be devoid of my presence because my presence is now going to dwell in you no matter where you are. You don't have to go to a temple. You are the temple. So Solomon's saying, a little different then because they're looking to a temple. He's saying, you know, God, let your eyes be upon us. Let's, let your ears hear. And then he walks into seven requests from verse 31 through the next many verses. He walks through seven requests. And all these requests that Solomon, in his great wisdom, he's lining up with Deuteronomy chapter 28, 29, and 30. In fact, if we had the time this morning and just had an unended amount of time and we could sit down together and just study the Bible in small groups, I'd say let's break up in some groups today and let's read chapter 28, chapter 29, chapter 30. Because Solomon, when he wrote, when he said these, this prayer, and this, this part of Scripture was penned, it lines up directly with Deuteronomy 28, 29, and 30. Let me give you just a sampling of, of what Solomon was thinking through. Because if you turn to Deuteronomy 28, I'd advise you to do that. Just read with me just a little bit, and, and I could get carried away here and really go into it because it talks about the blessing and the cursing. And he knows what God has said about how he wants to bless his people. And this is what Scripture records in Deuteronomy 28, verse 1. Now it shall be, if you diligently obey the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments, which I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. All the blessings will come upon you and overtake you if you obey the Lord your God. How many of you want to be blessed? I got six people that want to be blessed. All right, I'm going to talk to them for the rest of this time. The rest of you just along for the ride. I want to be blessed. Now, I know that we frame blessing in America a lot of times when I've got a lot of money, I've got a big house, I've got nice clothes, I've got a good car. That, that can be a blessing, but that can be a curse. Okay? Some people can't afford, I mean, can't handle the money, can't handle the fame, can't handle the... The, the, all this other stuff. But, but now God blesses. Blessings don't always, our mental model in America stops kind of with finance and things. But let's think a little bit beyond that. Blessings can be health, family, joy, peace, happiness. I mean, a lot, a lot of other ways to be blessed, okay? So as we, we look in this text, we, we see that God... The God in heaven from where every good gift comes, comes from, God in heaven wants to bless. And, and he's saying, all these blessings will come upon you and overtake you. I want to be overtaken with blessings. I really do. I want to live my life in such a way. And as the pastor, the under-shepherd of the Lord Jesus Christ, the pastor of First Baptist Church, Cookville, Tennessee, and you being the people that my heart is knitted to, I care deeply for you. I want the blessing of God to overtake you. Are y'all okay with that? Good. That was a good thing I said. I didn't say anything bad. I really want the blessing of God to come in your life and overtake you. I want you to be so overwhelmed by God and his blessing, but I want you to recognize you have to positionally put your place where you put yourself in a place where you can receive that blessing. He says, verse 3, blessed, blessed shall, be, shall you be in the city, blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall you uh, be the offspring of your body, the produce of your ground, and the offspring of your 
beast and increase your herd and your young and your flock. Blessed shall be the basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall be uh, shall you be when you come in. Blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord shall cause your enemies to rise up against you to be defeated before you, and they will come out against you one way, and they will flee seven ways. So what he's saying is, no matter what you do, I'm going to bless you, and, and nobody can stand against you. And verse 8 says, the Lord will command the blessing upon you in your barns and in all that you put your hand to, and he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God gives you. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself as he swore to you, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, if, but pastor, newsflash now, we're a New Testament people. We're not under the law, we're under grace, right? Did Jesus, when he came to the earth, did he avoid the law or did he fulfill the law? The law still, does the law, is the law good? Don't kill, don't steal, don't have another God, don't take the Lord's name in vain. Is all that still good and apply? It does. So we don't know, we don't know right from wrong if we don't have some measuring stick morally to line our life up with. So it, it's good. The Old Testament, I know I'm in the Old Testament. I'm aware of that. I know that the New Testament has been written. I know both books are very valuable for our lives. But I know that we should line ourselves up with the will of God and his commands. His, what God stated is kind of like me as a, a dad. When I tell my kids something, it's not like three years later I decide that doesn't apply anymore if I tell them, don't play in the street. It's never good to play in the street, okay? I'm trying to help us. There, there's, there's a lot of texts in the Bible that help us. And God says for our benefit, because he wants to steal our joy, because he loves you. And he says there's boundaries in life that you have to understand. When you cross them, you get out of the will of God and you open yourself up for defeat. So he talks about all these blessings. Then in verse 15 he says, But it shall come upon you if you do not obey the Lord your God to observe to do all his commandments, his statutes, which I charge you today, that all these curses will come upon you. And overtake you. Curse shall be in the city. Curse shall be in the country. Curse, and he goes through the same, what he said was a blessing can become a curse. So how we live our lives, this is important. How we live our lives matters. If we walk in the will of God, if we seek him with all of our life, it matters. It, it affects the outcome. You want to be blessed? Or do you want to be cursed? Nobody in this room is going to say, sign me up for cursing. Man, I just really want to be cursed. No, we want to be blessed. We want to live where God lavishes his blessing on us. We want that. But it matters how we live our life. And Solomon, as he as he's with the people and he's standing before God and he's got his arms stretched out to heaven, he says, Lord, Lord, uh, we're here. We want your eyes upon us. We want your ears. We want you to listen to the supplication of your servant. We want you to hear us. We want you to hear us and forgive us. Verse 31 begins seven requests 
that Solomon made. And I'm going to kind of fly through these, so you may want to go back and think through them a little bit more. But verse 31 says, If a man sins against his neighbor and is made to take an oath, and he comes and takes an oath before your altar in this house, then hear in heaven and act and judge your servants, condemning the wicked by bringing his way on his own head and justify the righteous by giving him according to his righteousness. So what, what Solomon's saying in there is there has to be order. Newsflash. Put this in the headline. There has to be order in our life. There has to be judgment made. There's no autonomous arena that's going to work. You've got to have order. You've got to have a law. If you don't have a law, you get a whole lot like Judges 21-25. It says that there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. It didn't work then. It won't work now. Are y'all okay? Y'all with me? I feel like I'm the only one in the room. It, it, it doesn't work. We've got to have a law. We've got to have some order. And God's commands bring order. They bring, they bring the law. They bring an alignment to our life, a, a right from wrong, what's morally accepted, what is not accepted, what can be blessed, what will be cursed. It brings that out for us and helps us see that. And, and what he's saying is that we have, we've been judged. We, we have, he says here, judged. There needs to be a judge. He, Solomon, in his wisdom, is asking for this. It says, here in heaven, judge your servant, condemning the wicked by bringing his way to his own head and justifying the righteous. Let me just help you understand this. We've been judged as sinners. You and I, we're judged as sinners. We're sinners. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, so we've been judged as sinners. Our sin has condemned us, but our Savior has justified us. That's really good news. That, that is the gospel right there. We, we've been judged and condemned because of our sin. But our Savior seeks to justify us when we present our life to him and ask him, Lord, you're, you're an amazing God, the God of this entire universe. You have a, a moral command on my life, and I've lived apart from it. I've failed at it, but I seek you as my Savior. Because you're the only one that can save. Save me, Lord. Change my life. We yield our life to you. So here he's saying, if, if this happens, if, if the sins come. Then in verse 33 he says, when your people Israel are defeated before an enemy, and notice why they're defeated. If, if, when your people, not if, but when your people Israel are defeated before an enemy because they have sinned against you. In other words, if, if God go before you, nobody can go against you. But if you don't put God out front, then you're kind of opening yourself up. You're, not kind of, you're really opening yourself up for any defeat, any attack. John 10.10, 10, Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But God came, Jesus came for what? To give life more abundantly. So here we see that when, when this happens because of their sin, he says, if they turn... To you again and confess your name and pray and make supplication to you in this house then hear from heaven and forgive the sin of your people Israel and bring them back to the land which you gave to their father 
You know, the grace, he's asking for the grace that when, when we sin and, and when we, we turn away from God and we open ourselves up for the attack and the attack comes and repentance comes and we turn back to God, God turn back to us. And then he continues in verse 35 and he says, when the heavens are shut up and there's no rain because they have sinned against you. And they pray towards this place and confess your name and turn from their sin when you afflict them. Then hear in heaven and forgive the sin of your servants and of your people Israel. Indeed, teach them the good way in which they should walk. Send rain on your land, which you have given your people for an inheritance. He recognizes that everything is controlled by God. Do you recognize that everything good is controlled by God? That God is the giver of good gifts. God, God provides. We need him for our daily provision. And that's what Solomon said. When we sin and we go against your way and, and we distance ourselves from you and your blessing and you withhold your blessing and our earth dries up and we're, we're starving and, and we're struggling because of the dust and no, no produce and we turn to you, turn to us. And then sometimes abundant problems come. Look at verse 37. If there is famine in the land, if there is pestilence, if there is blight or mildew, locusts or grasshoppers, if their enemy besieges them in the land of their cities, whatever plague, whatever sickness there is, Whatever prayer or, or supplication is made by any man or by all your people Israel, each knowing the affliction of his own heart and spreading his hands towards this house, then here in heaven, your dwelling place, and forgive and act and render to each according to all his ways, whose heart you know, for you alone know the heart of all the sons of God, that they may fear you, all the days that they live in the land which you have given to your fathers. So what we see is we see when an abundance of, prob abundance of problems, different problems, many problems arise in our life, God knows our heart. And when we turn to him and, and we yield our heart to him, he is being petitioned by Solomon to restore us and bring us back. And then we see in verse 41... Also concerning the foreigner. So this would be the one that's not part of Israel. We sang about this a moment ago. Also concerning the foreigner who is not of your people Israel, when he comes from a far country for your name's sake. So when he leaves his homeland because he's heard of you, and, and let me just tell you, people heard of God. They knew that God had delivered them from Egypt. The people up and down the Jordan knew of what God had done for his people. The, the people of the countries in which they had gone in and taken over as the promised land knew of God. They knew of him. So when the foreigner hears of this amazing God, remember Rahab? She knew of God. She knew of God. She had heard of God. When the foreigner comes, because of your great name, because of your great outstretched arm, because of all the great things you have done here in heaven. Yeah. 
and do according to all which the foreigner calls to you, in order that all people on earth may know your name to fear you and do your people Israel and that they may know that this house which I have built is called by your name. Again, he, he, he's, he knows, Solomon knows the name, the glory of God is going to spread. And people, when the, when the glory of God begins to spread, people have to make a decision whether to worship God and, and turn to God and call upon his name or reject God and go a different direction. Have that choice. We live in a world where people make that choice, whether to worship God and go hard after God or to turn away from God. He's saying when, when, that, when we're light into a world, when the, when the Israelite people, when, when the church of the 21st century, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ who loves Jesus and seeks him, when that church lives their life and experiences the blessing of God and, and others hear the name of God, let them come. Because, see, God's not one to turn away a lost person. He's one to embrace a lost person, the person without a relationship. He, he embraces for God so loved the world, not just one group of people. For God so loved the world that he gave his only That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting. God loves. God created every person. And he has a plan and a purpose for their life. Doesn't mean that they're going to follow that plan and purpose. He's got a plan. He, he put into every single person his own heart. We bear the image of God. Sin didn't mess that up. It did. But God wants to redeem that image, his own image in us. You know, in this world of racial tension, let me just say this. There is one race, the human race. One race. We have one race. We have different pigmentations of skin. We have different social upbringings. But there's one race. And God loves the human race. And every single person, no matter how much pigmentation they got or don't got in their skin, God loves them equally because they're valuable because they were created in his image. So we can all celebrate that together. Nobody rises above anybody. We're all God. One race, the human race. We come together recognizing the value of a relationship with Jesus, no matter who we are, whether we're a foreigner or whether we're, we're not a foreigner. I praise God that it wasn't just the Israelites that got accepted. I praise God it wasn't just by birthright because I wouldn't have made it. I praise God that he adopted me as his child. I praise God that he brought me and grafted me into the family of God. I'm an outsider that's been brought in. You are too. Amen? Praise God for that. Praise God for a loving God who looked at me as not born in, but brought in and said, I love you. I'll let you be my child. Created you with a plan. I praise God. In verse 44 and 45, we see when your people go out to battle against their enemy, by whatever way you shall send and they pray to the lord towards the city which you have chosen and the house which i have built for your name then hear in heaven their prayer and their supplication to maintain their call so he said when we go out we we need you we can't go alone we'll be destroyed we need you god 
I don't know if you're catching it, but what Solomon's saying is we're going to face situations and we need you. So, Lord, humbly come before you, recognizing that we want to surrender our life. Then this, this really culminates right here in verse 46. When they sin against you, hear these words, folks. When they sin against you, for there is no man who does not sin. That just put us all on the same boat, okay? We're all in the same position. We all have sin, okay? There's no man who does not sin, and your anger, and and you are angry with them and deliver them to an enemy so that they, they take them away captive into the land of the enemy far off or near. If they take Thought in the land where they have been taken captive and repent and make supplication to you in the land of those who have taken them captive, saying, We have sinned and have committed iniquity and have acted wickedly. If they return to you with all their heart, with all their soul, in the land of their enemies who have taken them captive and pray to you towards the land, their land in which you have given their fathers to the city which you have chosen. And the house which you which I have built for your name, then hear their prayer and their supplication in heaven, your dwelling place, and maintain their cause and forgive your people who have sinned against you and all their transgressions which they have transgressed against you, and make them objects listen to this folks, make them objects of compassion before those who have taken them captive, that they may have compassion on them. For they are your people and your inheritance, which you have brought forth from Egypt from the midst of the iron furnace. So here's, let me help you with that. We're going to, we're going to, we're people. We're a fallen race. The human race has fallen. We're going to sin. I pray as the pastor, the under-shepherd of Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that we don't sin. That would be awesome if we grow less and less in our sin. There's a whole lot less struggles when we live apart from sin. But the Scripture reveals to us when we sin, we come in bondage. When we have a lifestyle of sin, when it becomes part of our life, we walk in bondage and we're distant. Whether it be way off or kind of close, Bondage, distance, sin brings a divide. He's saying, Solomon's saying, when people are in that position, they're in bondage because of their sin, and they pray to you, hear from heaven. So you're like, okay, well, this is the prayer that's being made. This is the continual prayer that's being made. People are in a mess. Solomon recognizes that they can get in a mess, and he's saying, Lord, hear, 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 hear. Heal, forgive. So we got a man, the wisest man in the world at this time, praying, asking God to hear and forgive. Got to ask, what is is God's response? Well, the next chapter, verse 9, or chapter 9, verse 3. The response, the Lord said to him, I have heard your prayer and your supplication which you have made before me. I have consecrated this house which you have built 
by putting my name there forever, and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. As for you, if you will walk before me as your father David walked, in integrity of heart and uprightness, doing according to all that I have commanded you, and will keep my statutes and my ordinances, then I will establish the throne of your kingdom over Israel forever, just as I promised to your father David, saying, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. But if you or your sons indeed turn away from following me and do not keep my commands, my statutes, which I have set before you, and go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will cut off Israel from the land which I have given and the house which I have consecrated. I will cast out of my sight. So Israel will become a proverb and a byword of all. And this house will become a heap of ruin. Everyone who passes by it will be astonished and hiss, say, why has the Lord done the to the land and house, this house? And they will say, because they forsook the Lord, their God, who brought their father out of the land of Israel, adopted other gods, and worshipped served them. Therefore, the Lord has brought all this person. God heard prayer, and God says, I am a willing participant in this relationship. Heal, to restore, to forgive, to redeem. God is a redeeming God. Let's just follow my Live for me. Don't, don't live by the wisdom of the world. Live by the wisdom that only comes from me. I will walk with you. I will, I will help you along the way. So let me ask you a question. Are you desiring to walk? Are you desiring to walk and put God before you? And follow hard after God, seeking Him with all of your life? Is that a desire in your heart? Are you longing for Him? My people, called by my name, humble, pray, seek my face and turn, and I will hear from heaven. I will heal them. Oh, our land, our people have to make Church as the under-shepherd of Lord Jesus Christ, commissioned by God to stand before you today, every time I ever have, any time I ever will, I get breath. I'm called to beg, to lead you, encourage you, walk with you, to be the men and the women called you. That is not social. I like doing this. I like doing that. I feel like I ought to do this. I feel like I ought to do that. Everyone did what was right in their own sight. But it's when we seek the Heavenly Father, His direction for our life, and we long for Him to lead, and we passionately pursue Him, recognizing that it's going to make us different than the rest of the world. We're not going to look like the rest of the world. If we look like the rest of the world, there may be a problem. Look at our world. Hello? Do I really want to look like the world, or do I want to look like what the Word calls me to look like? A child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Am I okay being different? Am I okay with that? Do Do I deeply desire to live under His will, not mine, but His will for my life, His command, following His statute, seeking Him, 
I'm telling you, that's eternal. Everything else is temporary. So your temporary, momentary enjoyment of life is compared to your eternal fellowship with Christ. So where do you land? Are you more concerned about the temporary, momentary, or the eternal? Where's your concern? Because that is a real question you have to answer. Every person I've ever found caught up bondage in bondage of sin, whether it was in, in an adulterous relationship or in a substance abuse relationship, in anything like that, any, any person I've ever talked to that was in that kind of bondage or any other kind of bondage, I just threw a couple out there. Could have thrown a bunch out there. But in bondage to the, the fame and bondage to, to money and, and bondage to uh, those kinds of things, pride, anything that you find yourself in bondage to, it's not, it's not good. It's never rewarding. What you think you're going to get out of it ends. Ends in disgust, corruption of life. But when you find yourself in the presence of Jesus, the prayer ends like it started. Hands salted before God. Heart humbled before God. Lord, see us and hear. Let me ask you a question. Are you good with God seeing everything? You Are you good with God hearing everything going on? Because he is. So what do you do? You either ignore God or you draw closer to God and clean your so today we've got some. Either we're going to draw closer to God or we're going to push him away. Church, not a time to time to That means you've got to clean some things up about your life. You've got to look it in. You've got to look in. Say, this has got to go. This is separating me from a Savior who wants to bless me. You've got to get it out. You've got to go in the right direction. You make that choice. Make it right now. Either you're going to live for Jesus or you're going to live for yourself. Who do you want? You want to live for the temporary or do you want to live for the eternal? Where do you want to go? Where do you want to live? In the moment or with the master? Make the As the pastor. Under shepherd of Lord Jesus Christ, I care about each Love you dearly. I want to see you succeed. I want to see you blessed. First. I want to see us as a people, us as a land, blessed, not cursed. We can't ask God to bless our mess. We can't live like we want to, set our morals on the shelf, expect God to bless. We got some decisions. That's that's what this time is now. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. It's going to be a time of invitation. You can come pray at the altar, lay it before the Lord, stretch your arms out before heaven, say, "Lord, I stand before you today. This is going on in my life, and you know about it. Your ears have heard it, your eyes have seen it. I'm going to lay it before you this morning. I'm going to get clean. I'm going to leave here desiring you. Your call, church." Pastors will be up here. We would love to talk with you about joining the church, about salvation, about whatever you want to talk about. We're here for you. You do as God leads you. I want to pray for us. Father, we love you. We thank you for loving us. Thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. 
Thank you for how it brings conviction. Where there's no conviction, there's no confession. Where there's no confession, there's no conversion. Lord, we can't be complete without those things in our life. So, Lord, move in our hearts as only you can. Holy Spirit, have all authority in my life and my all these here today, their lives, Father. Touch where you need to touch. Stir where you need to stir. Get us right, God. Push us to be the people we need to be in Jesus' name. You move as God leads. We're here for you. Good to be with you today and worship, and uh, it's been a good day to be with you. I love preaching God's Word. I pray for you. I pray that you'll take God's Word, you'll meditate on God's Word when you leave here, and it'll bring life change for you. Uh, the Word of God never returns void. It always does its work. So I'm going to ask if you are working in VBS this week, or a participant helping out in any level, um, I'd ask you to stand and everybody else be seated. What I want to do is I want to close this morning with a prayer for all of those that are serving in VBS. And uh, you look around the room right now. Are any of y'all, raise your hand if you're on stage, if you're serving in VBS this week so they can see y'all. Okay, so, well, I'd sit in one of you. Y'all need a job this week? <laughs> 
Look around the room and see who is serving in VBS and and put your eyes on them. And I want you to find somebody that you can focus this week on praying for who will be working in VBS because there are kids that get saved every year at VBS. There are kids that are grown in their knowledge of VBS. We touch a lot of children at Vacation Bible School. And I want you to be praying for these folks this week as they serve. There are several up in the balcony as well. So pray for them this week as we, we enter this time. I'm going to pray for them, and then i got an announcement or two. And we'll, let me pray for them. Father, thank you so much for Vacation Bible School, the impact that it has on children's lives. God, I ask that you would divinely work in lives this week and the teachers as they teach, those who serve, and, and also, God, those who receive the message. Let your perfect will and way be done in the life. pray there will be many come to Many will grow their relationship with and uh, we'll be able to encourage any children. Thank you again for all these that are willing to uh, set aside a whole week of investing and engaging in the lives of Bless them, I pray, and have. As we depart today, and I, uh, y'all can be seated real quick. As we depart today, there will be opportunity for you to uh, give your offering. I did not mention the offering in the first service. So I'm sorry to tell you, but it's going to mean you need to double your tithe this week. They might not have done it. But just to catch up, you know, help us out. <laughs> we do ministry around the world. There's an offering plate on the front front here. There's boxes, cherry boxes out the back, in the, in the balcony, and in the welcome center. And if you will, stop by, drop in your, your tithe and your offering. Um, we'll continue to do the call to church. We'll celebrate all the activities participate in around the world, especially right here at home. So um, you you pray about that and, and see how you can be a part of the work God's doing around this world. He's a blessing God. Let's let's give back. Let's be givers. Amen. There's enough takers bro. Let's be givers. See what we can do. Let gospel. We've extended our um, budget until for the next ninety days instead of now we'd be voting on a budget time of the year, but we've extended that for 90 days. Uh, if you've got any questions about that, see the somebody on stewardship or Mike and direct you. Will. And um, deacon, or, deacon nominations are held open until the 14th Sunday. So looking forward to that. We'll have a, um, the next Sunday is Father's Day, so we'll have uh, yeah, the 21st. So this is the last Sunday. Ollie, where's this year going? This is the last Sunday for deacon nominations. Next Sunday's Father's Day, and we're going to have Father's Day next Sunday, and we'll do dedication of, of families and children to the Lord and ourselves to raise those kids. So uh, next week we'll have several babies and young kids have that, that time with. So looking forward to that. And uh, tonight, fun times at FBC. We're going to have an ice cream social uh, fellowship time in the Family Life Center. We got a bunch of ice cream, so we're going to come together and eat ice cream tonight. And my personal favorite, we will have that, right? Thank you, sir. Pralines and cream, yes. So we will have that tonight. But we're going to have all kinds of ice cream. So you come tonight, enjoy the ice cream, the fellowship. We need some fellowship. We need some time in community. If you need to wear a mask, pull it out and eat your ice cream. That's cool. If you want to wear gloves, wear gloves. Let's just get together. Don't hug, kiss, or none of that kind of stuff. Uh, high fives, a long distance away. Whatever we need to do to social distance, but let's come together 
Let's fellowship together, eat some ice cream, pray over VBS. All afternoon, people are going to be getting their rooms together and into the night. So getting ready for VBS tomorrow. Thank you for being here. You are a blessing. God bless you. I pray for your week to be a great week. Have a good day. See you tonight. Take care.